Welcome to the Hoops and Recreation podcast, the fortnightly podcast where we take you through 12 minute quarters of all things basketball. I'm your co-host for today, Matt, and with me, as always, the biggest thing in basketball to come out of the year 1985, Mark. Muggsy Bogues once played 19 minutes of a game, recorded zero points, zero rebounds, zero steals, zero blocks and 11 assists. Wow. Michael Porter hearing that right now, probably crying. (laughs) And our sixth man of the year every year, Wardy. Hey, dudes. Hoods. We have a great episode for you today with lots to talk about. So let's get started. Right. First quarter. Time to do a little bit of a, a recap of the week. And um, I don't really want to recap this week, so I'm going to throw it over to you guys because I don't know why I don't want to recap this week. But for some reason, I just don't really fancy talking about the last week of basketball. So do, do, want, do one of you two want to take this one? or? Well, I, I feel the same as you. I don't want to talk about this week either. <laughs> the only team that we've played semi-decent against was the Pistons, and we only beat the Bulls by one in overtime. So not much to talk about the sums of the Clippers. <laughs> That's weird. Can't talk about the two teams with their star-studded lineups, <laughs> super teams. But the little old Knicks doing all right, aren't they? Oh, honestly, this week is just. I've been telling everyone over the last couple of days. Um, I think it was the Dallas game on. No, it, it must have been after the. Um, I can't remember which game it was. It was the uh, any of your losses, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was after the it was after the Nets game. There we go, the Nets game on uh, Thursday, and I was like, I looked at the weekend schedule, saw that we had Dallas in the in season tournament. Knew based on what we'd been doing over the last few games, that was a definite loss, especially with Luca just being Luca. But I said to everyone, if we lose to the Memf- if we lose to the Grizzlies on Sunday, I'm quitting the Clippers. What happened? We lost to the Grizzlies, so uh, I'm officially just a basketball fan right now. I'm not a Clippers fan anymore. <laughs> I've I've publicly I've, I told everyone I'm quitting, so I quit. I'm not doing it anymore. You can't quit, mate. It's not how it works. You've got to stick through the bad times and the worst times, and I know. then you'll be back to the bad times again because I'm a Clippers fan. Then you'll be back to the worst times again. <laughs> this is what every Clippers fan pre 2010 felt like for yeah. 40, 50 years. I'm, I'm just playing catch up. That's all it is. I'm playing catch up. On a serious note, though, um, Harden has destroyed the Clippers. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, sure, you've lost five in a row. Yep. One of them, obviously, was the overtime game to the Lakers, four since uh, Harden has played with us. Um, there's just lots of bad like lots of negativity that we're seeing with Harden on the court I mean Mark you and I were kind of talking a little bit last night or or kind of on the Sunday night when we were playing the Grizzlies and I think your message into the chat was uh, something about the fact that Harden won't be in the league unless he has his own team uh, because it's just as soon as he's on the court it was incredibly slow he wasn't playing with everyone else all he was trying to do is fancy no look passes to everyone on the court that was just creating turnovers and creating the offense to slow down it's having a negative effect on the rest of the team, um, especially Paul George, who really wasn't doing anything against the Grizzlies until, funnily enough, Harden was subbed off and he scored 12 points in a quarter. And uh, again, yeah. in the fourth, when we needed a little bit of a comeback, funnily enough, Harden wasn't on the court. PG was trying to push for us to uh, draw level. And it just seems to be at the minute, the two of them can't play on the same team, which is a little bit alarming. I mean, who'd have thought that like four really ball dominant guys wouldn't have been able to play together? I know, it's crazy, I know, I know. I know. It, I, James Harden is an unbelievably talented player, you know, absolute Hall of Famer, top 75, 100% for me. But he plays a very distinctive style of basketball. And that style of basketball is complete isolation one on one. And at the moment, I'm not saying it might not work with a lot of practice and a lot of games under them, but. At the moment, I just can't see how he has a place in the league unless it's his own team like he had at the Rockets yep. with kind of no other stars around him or or, or maybe a big, um, I guess he had the, the Sixers, didn't he? I just can't see how else it works for him at the moment because he has to have the ball in his hands for 23 of the 24 seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. 100%. Talking about the Sixers, though. Man, ooh, how well has that trade worked out for them? I was going to say. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, they've been robbed. They've been robbed. Tyrese Maxey was like, nah, we're good. We're fine. We're absolutely fine. It's um, addition by subtraction for them. 
Because yeah. the only two that are playing are Covington and Batum. Um, and they're replacing Harden. And all of a sudden, Tyrese Maxey is James Harden plus. Like, you, you could say in this nine games that he's had, he's probably on par with the, you know, top shelf James Harden moments. I know it's a short time and, and Harden, like you say, Mark, has been great for a long time. But if you can get this production from Maxey for over a season, over a couple of years, then you're laughing, aren't you? I mean, what a great pickup to have. All of a sudden, you just hand him the keys and say, it's you and Embiid. Well, if I if I told you, sorry, if I told you that there was a player this time last year, if I told you that this uh, that there was a player on the 76ers that is averaging 28.6 points, uh, five rebounds and seven assists, you probably would have said it was Harden, right? You fast forward a year, remove Harden from the team, and now it's Maxi. Do you know what I mean? 28, five and seven, he's absolutely tearing it up and it's having a positive effect with everyone else i mean kelly Oubre, obviously sad news that happened to him this week being hit by a car um speedy speedy Mm. recovery for him but he's been playing great and tobias harris is looking like tobias harris of the clippers days he's averaging what 19 six and just under three assists for a third or fourth player that ain't bad Third or fourth, whatever one he is. It's, it's like whenever someone else comes in, he gets knocked down again, doesn't he? Tobias is going to step up. Philly fans always have hope. Tobias is going to step up. No, he's not. He's going to be the same guy, probably. But we always get tricked. We say, oh, he's averaging 19. But he averages like 19 every season. We just think it's a lot less because it <laughs> yeah. doesn't have as much impact. <laughs> he just had the one good year. Like, yeah. literally the one good year. Um, just taking the, the sample size. For Tyrese Maxey, though, like the last few games, okay. So since the Harden trade, the Sixers are six and zero. Okay, so they've won every game. <laughs> Maxey had fifty points in the Sunday night game. Crazy. The the, the three he had. Uh, poor old friend of the show, Buddy Heald, got cooked. Yeah, like that 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 was insane. Um, but he's not just scoring. He, this season, he's got sixty five assists with only ten turnovers. He's had two games where he's had 10 assists with zero turnovers and his plus minus for the season is plus 100, which is good for sixth in the entire league. And that's Tyrese Maxey, a a guy who's, was he fourth year? He came in the league at the same time as Quick, didn't he? And him and Quick have been constantly compared. And I think Tyrese has taken that step up now. 21st pick of the 2020 draft. So yeah, he's now moved into his fourth year. Yeah, but also his shooting splits are incredible. He's already at the 50, 40, 90 club. He's uh, <sighs> 50% field goals, 43 from three and 93 from the free throw line. That's and, crazy. And you're talking, that's only elite company in there. If he keeps it up for the season, only the best have ever done that, haven't they? I mean, we talked about him as most improved player. Like if he keeps going like this with a 50, 40, 90 and the numbers he's doing with that turnover ratio, that efficiency, he might be in the MVP conversation. I mean, as much as I was going to say, as much as this is more than likely getting carried away, but hypothetical situation, if we look at the two of them right now, if we look at the overall position of the league, Philly are currently first. They have recorded and they are first in the East with um, eight wins, one loss, right? And if we're looking at um, them as a team, Joel Embiid is averaging 32, 11 and 6 there or thereabouts. Um, Tyrus Maxey, like I said, 28, 5 and 7. If they carry on like this and they win the East, who are we taking as MVP, Joel Embiid or Tyrus Maxey? <laughs> like, who do you realistically pick in that situation? It's crazy. And they're one of the biggest surprises of the season because I think everybody thought, you know, once the Harden trade happened, they were going to fall off. But to be honest, there's been... Some other surprises. And for me, the Rockets have to be the surprise team of the season, right? I'm so happy you've said this. In my notes, I have the headline, Are the Rockets Secretly Good? Because on the day of recording, they are currently on a six-game win streak. They are fourth in the West. Dylan Brooks, who we were ready to write off after last season, saying he's going to be in China, is currently shooting 53% from three. Granted, it doesn't take a whole load of them. He's averaging about three and a half threes a game but he is currently second in the league in three point percentage all of their starters are averaging more than 12 points a game they're currently fifth in defensive rating and 10th in offensive rating in the whole league 
Like, how? There was me at the beginning of the season doing my predictions. Like, yeah, they might be a little bit better than last year. Well, they lost the first three, and we were all like, yeah, here we go, classic Rockets. And since then, it's just been bang. And they most recently beat the Nuggets. And, like, Sing June was going at Jokic as well, like, going at him. In a couple of years, that is going to be such a good battle. Like, those two, they're so kind of almost similar. Obviously, Jokic is just a much bigger version, can obviously shoot a little bit better from outside. But... They have such a similar play style that in a few years' time, when Shengun kind of really picks up, that's going to be a killer battle. The West is really open, though, because we talked about teams underperforming, like the Clippers already. You guys mentioned the Suns. The Lakers as well Like had a, a decent win Sunday night, but generally really underperforming. So the West at the moment feels like it's absolutely wide open. The Mavs have had a really red-hot start. Yeah, I mean, you weren't that much of a believer in the Mavs at the beginning, uh, whereas they're playing very, very good. I don't think every, I don't think all of us really expected someone like Lively to really make a big impact. Kyrie seems to be happy at the minute. The fact that with Kyrie, it's almost like no news is good news. That's absolutely what I was thinking. Yeah, we haven't had any news yet, so we're kind He's of doing all right. Great. Yeah, He's playing great. Um, yeah. He's playing really well. And if we look at the top six in the West, we've got Denver, Dallas, the Timberwolves, Rockets, OKC, Warriors. Only two of those teams were in the top six at the end of last season. Every other team was either play-in or out of the playoffs entirely. Like, how is this somehow? We I feel like we're in Stranger Things in the Upside Down or something like that because you've got <laughs> you've got the Grizz bottom and somehow Timberwolves a third. But we know this is only ten games in. Yep. Last year the Jazz were the top team in the West. They didn't make the playoffs in the end. So only ten games in, anything can happen. Yeah, but isn't it fun having like major overreactions ten game into the season? <laughs> like this is the this is one of the best parts of the league where it's a that's small what the whole media size. is, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like this is a small sample size. Let's just completely overreact and say that Anthony Edwards is the next Michael Jordan or something like that. So I mean, that, that's what it was going around. I, can't, I don't that know is, who yeah, it was, so but someone is a, a scout, wasn't it? It's a scout yeah. who said he's the next next Jordan. I mean, he's, we talk about Maxi and his numbers. Edwards is at 28.4 points per game, 6.2 rebounds and 5.4 assists. He's no slouch. And I've, Sunday night, he had an incredible dunk uh, in his oh, game. It's, yeah, unreal. Absolutely savage. And he got um, Draymond's, uh, Draymond foul, gave him a real nasty foul. I don't know if anyone saw it on the, the Warriors game. And it, he told Draymond not to do it again. And Draymond kept talking and he went back and burned Draymond, he went at him. He was deliberately going for switches. He was like, he you was. on me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. So straight into the second quarter. It's in this quarter where we spend a little bit of time uh, talking all things. Um, I, I always mess up the intro for this one, but we're basically talking off-court situations here. We're talking sneakers, fashion, lifestyle bits and bobs. That, that's kind of what the second quarter is about. And um who wants to kick off the second quarter? I've only got a tiny bit to add. because Oh, you go for it then, mate. Yeah, because I don't add a, add a lot to this because I'm not as cool as you two. But um, Spike Lee's puffer jersey is my absolute favourite thing of the entire <laughs> season so far. It's like, how has this not been done before? Because it's just a gilet with slightly you know, thinner uh, sleeve bits at the top. But so amazing i absolutely loved it and no one but spike lee could pull that off it, it, as cool as he looks and it's it's absolutely incredible like uh, get me one of those i love a gilet but i want one of them now super cool especially on the brunson jersey um designed um by a new yorker called jocelyn hugh um there's also a Mikel bridges one in the nets uniform if you haven't seen that as well so Wardy, that, that might i know bridges is your guy so that might be the one. Yeah, because I'm not getting a Suns one at the moment. But give me a Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be kind of almost suicide to wear a big gilet like that, like in Arizona or something. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't, <laughs> don't think it's quite the weather to be wearing the, the, the gilet jersey. But uh, I, I like it. I like it. I love the picture of, um, I think, I don't know whether it was the advertisement or whether someone's just turned it into a meme. But like I said, Brunson wearing the jersey, like playing against Bridges was just amazing. That was so funny to see that. Um, so whoever, yeah, absolutely bravo to the the designer. Um, I don't have a whole lot to, to add to this segment either. So Mark, everything's resting on your shoulders, but I don't know if you guys saw that uh, Lamelo Ball is currently being sued. Uh, well, Lamelo, mm. Lavar, and well, basically the whole 
family is being sued by the co-founder of big baller brand alan foster um if you guys haven't seen this there's currently a lawsuit going against the ball family for um a very very hefty sum uh, of 200 million dollars in damages uh because supposedly alan foster was the uh, kind of original designer who came up with the idea of the MB1. Obviously, we know Lamello was with Big Baller Brand, moved over to Puma. Supposedly, uh, Alan Foster was the one that actually came up with all of these designs and hasn't been compensated by Puma. So, uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of in-family argument, I would say. Not the first time it's happened, like you said. I, I think he said that he designed the MB1, and when Puma released it, obviously, they called it the mb uh, 0.1 yep um alan foster has sued them before i think uh there's a previous yep. lawsuit yeah two and a half um, million back in october 2019 um where it says yeah foster previously filed a civil lawsuit against lavar ball in 2019 uh, alleging his former business partner embezzled more than two and a half million from their companies because the rumor was before that that he had stolen money from the big brawler brand company so yeah i mean it, it, it's a circus isn't it it's a good job that Lamelo's absolutely balling at yeah. the moment because uh, he's really put the family on his back. And who would have thought it as well? Like I said, I think a few when when he was the kind of young brother in, in all of these reality TV shows, looking like a fool. Everyone, everyone was uh, kind of against him, but hey, he, he's shouldering the load. He's doing well, and hopefully we'll see Lonzo return to the court because yes. he's certainly a talented player. Um, I can't believe it's taken us this long to talk about the absolutely biggest fashion move of the entire year which is Derek White shaving his head <laughs> right, Th- okay. there is not a single human being that needed to shave their hair more than Derek White I don't know what he'd been rocking the last couple of years you talk about Trey Young with that kind of you know that lolly hair falling on the floor Derek White had the same kind of thing that headband was getting further and further back <laughs> every single game <laughs> holding on to that little bit of hair he's finally shaved it and the, the bald head effect has immediately come in Derek White is gone from uh, career averages of 11.8 a game 11.8 points a game he's up to 13.9 <laughs> I told you six man of the year six man right. of the year this year <laughs> right not only that though you know, I love the the plus minuses. Guess what? Derek White is top 10 in efficiency. Sixth man of the year. Here <laughs> yeah. we go. This guy's balling and it's, it's got to be the ball head effect, right? Well, yeah, I feel like, yeah, surely. If 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 he's if he doesn't win sixth man of the year or if he does win it, if he's not stood there collecting his trophy with the trophy in one hand and a Bic razor in the other, Bic have made a... Bick have <laughs> lost a big marketing opportunity here. Wally, did you feel your powers increase when you shaved your head for the first time? I did, but uh, I was a young man as well, so it's like I had premature baldness. So you know, it's not the same. But I think um, playing local league basketball is not the same because you know lots of people over forties and all rocking the same hair. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the same thing. Uh, I think it's a sign of losing your powers at that age. Um, keep it on the subject of plus minus. The Celtics are absolutely dominating that. They've got four players in the top 10 in the plus minus. Okay. And, and you know, I just, I like a little quiz um, as well. So j- just to let you guys uh, understand kind of where we're at with the plus minus. I said Maxi's plus 100. Um, he, he's at, at, at six. We've got Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday, Colwell Polk, Jokic, Edwards, and leading the plus minus is Jason Tatum. Can you guess what his plus minus is for the season? Right. Okay. So if Maxi was a hundred plus, and and Derek White is like a ten, and he's on a ninety-five, a hundred and fifteen. That might okay. be too high. I, I was thinking. I was thinking like a hundred and seventeen, but I might go one one twenty. So we're not too close together. Okay. Plus one six six. That's one hundred and sixty-six. And there's me thinking that 115 was a bit high. <laughs> right. Number two, Anthony Edwards, 121. Wow. 40, 45 points ahead. Jesus. Just to give that perspective, if we went down from Anthony Edwards, you know, and took 45 off that, you are looking at 20th place. Wow. That's how far ahead 
Jason Tatum is on the plus minus section. And I know this is the wrong quarter to talk about it, but that was absolutely blowing my mind seeing that. That's keeping my, uh, you know, my MVP shout like in good faith though. He hasn't been in any of the, uh, the MVP uh, kind of numbers that I've seen so far, but if you've got plus minus like that and he keeps doing the consistent numbers, we might be in with the shouts too. Yeah, he might be third place after Embiid and Maxi by the end of the season. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about things that are blowing my mind. Um, something that is blowing my mind is a shoe that is actually releasing very, very soon. To bring this back to uh, sneakers a little bit, um, Mark, you know that I am not the biggest jordan fan but you and i actually spoke about this shoe uh very very recently um we have releasing later this week and i think next week when we're getting kind of getting the wider release is what i am putting down as hands down the best jordan release of the year the amm amamanier air jordan 5 I know we had a little chat about this recently. You've got two colors coming out. You've got the white colorway, uh, which is, I do believe the actual colorway is the dawn. And then you've got the black colorway that is the dusk. Um, But I honestly, it's very, very rare that I see a pair of Jordans that I'm like, yep, I really, really like and actually want that shoe. The problem is, is that there's now two Jordans that I really, really like and really want because I can't choose between the black and the white which one I prefer more. Wow. Well, it might make it easier for you to know that the Dusk colorway, um, <laughs> yeah, is going to be, it's going to have the wider release. Um, okay. So that one's going to be available at most retailers. It'll still be limited, of course. But the Dawn colorway, the the white and blue, is only available um, at Amamanier. Um, and the raffle is open right now. So if you want those, you need to go and enter right now. Yeah, I think the uh, the price of those with the shipping from the states and the customs and things like this, uh, the Hoops and Recreation podcast isn't paying me enough to uh, enter that raffle, I'm afraid. <laughs> but maybe Hoops and Recreation colorway. podcast is paying you at all. Exactly, they're not paying me enough. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we can triple your salary if that helps. Thanks. Oh, I know, I know what zero times three is. <laughs> no, they are incredible. I haven't seen anybody, any players wear them yet, actually. Like, normally by now, you'd, you'd kind of see a few people around the league rocking yeah, them, wouldn't you? you know, a couple yeah. of early pairs. Maybe yeah, we'll absolutely. See Chris Pauls, uh, Devin Bookers, those kind of guys always end up with early pairs. Russ, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe with uh, Devin Booker having his own shoe. Um, maybe he's just rocking his own pairs more. And obviously, it's either Converse normally off court and then he'll switch into to his pair. But I think I saw the internet getting all very, very excited that he uh, was wearing a triple black pair of his shoes, mm. which kind of just looked like a pair of school shoes in triple black, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So I don't know why everyone was losing their marbles over it. They, they looked so much like a skate shoe. And yeah, yeah. I don't actually mind that triple black colorway so much. The, the orange one that I find really garish. I don't know why it looks like your microphone color, Matt Sibley. I just can't get down with it. <laughs> no one's going to understand um, that reference, but I do have a bright orange microphone. <laughs> You're always rooting for the Suns. Uh, his teammate, Kevin Durant, starring in the, the new Nocta campaign. Um, yes. Really like that campaign. Have you guys seen it? I saw a couple of the images, but I didn't see too much. Um, I saw. I, I think I saw a couple of the little pieces as well. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Um, I mean, it looks like the tightest basketball gear i've ever seen in my entire life um but the campaign was cool like him kind of hoovering up money you know they're going with the, the easy money nickname of his and kind of based it all around that but i liked it uh and again the, the sons are dominating this segment because i saw an incredible picture this week of bowl bowl's face right next to an off-white air force one uh, <laughs> yes, I saw that absolutely well. no reason whatsoever <laughs> but nothing makes me happier than seeing pictures of bowl bowl so especially when he's happy. Yeah, he looks very, very happy. And I think I'm pretty sure I saw that on like League Fits or something like that, where it was just a zoom in on, yeah, it was on League Fits. Just him, peace sign next to some off-whites. Hey, I feel like that's, it's a win, isn't it? It's what well, it was a, a off-white Air Forces, triple white colorway, bowl bowl throwing up the peace sign. I told you, any, any bowl bowl mention is just a win, isn't it? Exactly. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about, and it's the wrong sport, but, PSG, uh, Paris Saint-Germain football team, are continuing their long-term partnership with Jordan, uh, releasing a fourth kit um, in January. Um, and it's going to have a, a Jordan 312. Um, they've previewed it. And this time they've gone for like an olive and sand colorway. I saw that, yeah. 
I saw I the like Sands. Mm, I don't but... like any of the PSG Air Jordans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought all black was kind of fire, though. Don't you think with the like the cement print on it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that was all right. I don't know. I just find it very strange. I know, obviously, the whole idea is that we're trying to yeah, branch out, but why is it that Jordan, the Jordan brand logo, is only on like one team's jersey, yet it is on the PSG jersey? every single year make it make sense people make it make sense right guys third quarter as we know it's wardy's quarter this is the third quarter throwback in this quarter wardy provides us with a classic nba game to go back and dissect and uh basically you guys educate me on games that i obviously didn't see at the time so wardy what game uh, are we talking about this week? So I think this is our first playoff game that we've done. Um, so we're going to go all the way back to the 15th of June, 2003. It's the San Antonio Spurs versus the New Jersey Nets. Uh, and this is Tim Duncan's very near quadruple double game. Uh, this is one that I saw live uh, before I decided I was going to hate the Spurs because obviously uh, the mid, mid-2000 Spurs were foiled to the Suns and hated him with every fibre of my body. But before that, you had this game and an incredible uh, Tim Duncan performance in, in this one. Um, so the this was the title deciding game, uh, which the Spurs won 88 to 77, a classic 2000 scoreline uh, in terms of not, not very high. Um, but the, the game itself was amazing. And I can actually remember getting so into this game, especially in the third quarter um, when the Spurs made their big push. But uh, Mark, I'm not sure if this was probably around your entry into the NBA. And Matt, obviously this may be the first time I've seen it. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, this was before the NBA decided that every game needed to be a minimum of 100 points each, wasn't it? And kind of relaxed the the offensive rules a little bit uh, to allow that to happen. And before every other shot was a three as well. yeah, I started watching basketball in 2001. And although I went back and watched so much from the 90s, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I didn't go back and watch the Spurs. Like no, nobody was going back to watch Spurs highlights. <laughs> um, I was watching the Orlando, the Bulls, a little bit of Phoenix, the Suns, um, uh, Sonics, you, you know, the exciting teams, exciting players. I wasn't watching the Spurs. I have seen this game before, though. Um, full of household names, of course. David Robinson, Bruce Bowen. I met Bruce Bowen once, actually. Just a little <laughs> first NBA player I ever met. There we go. Uh, he walked, it was an NBA London game. He walked towards me in the corridor. I looked him dead in the eye, realized who it was, pointed at him and went, Bruce Bowen. And he looked at me and went, all right. and that was it (laughs) yeah tony parker uh captain jack was there steven jackson yeah uh steve kerr speedy claxton the the, the spurs team was absolutely stacked um and yeah of course they they had to make it to the finals against again a Nets team full of household names jason kidd kmart richard jefferson it was a really good team so yeah great matchup and this was game six right this, this was game six, and the Spurs won every single series 4-2. Oh, wow. That's quite yeah. cool. That is cool. I'm going to keep that cool. in the back of my mind for a quiz in the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were nothing but methodical, were they? I, I really liked watching this game back. Um, again, this is like an era of NBA that I've only ever seen in highlights and things like this. So, uh, and, and like you've said, both of you, such a different way of playing basketball compared to now. As you said, it's really kind of rough in the pain. Yeah, of course, there's the odd kind of mid-range and three-pointer and things like this, but there's a clear divide between your big players that stick in the paint and your smaller players that play a little bit more around the perimeter and play at the mid-range. And um, it was a really, really good game. The Nets had the lead for most of the game. Like you said, Wally, it wasn't until the third quarter where the Spurs really started to have a little bit of a comeback. Steven Jackson, a few really big threes to kind of really, I think uh, in the thirds, one of his threes was the first time that the Spurs actually took the lead. And um, although we're talking about this game because of Tim Duncan's stat line, 20 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, eight 
blocks, nearly a quadruple double. It felt to me like, because I just watched a 10 minute highlight of the whole game. Obviously, you're seeing everyone's highlights. I didn't really, I think if you hadn't told me that Tim Duncan had that scoreline, I wouldn't have known that he'd had that scoreline because there was nothing. And I think this is probably me just not really being exposed and much to to kind of Tim Duncan's game, but he's just the perfect player, isn't he? Like, it's just so um, calm in the way that nothing flashy, uh, played really good fundamental basketball and somehow ended up with a near quadruple double and won his team a championship. Like it was just, he knew when to uh, play the right pass, knew exactly when he was open for the shot. Just p- absolute perfect game. Yeah. And that was his career, wasn't it? You know, he, I mean, he was, he was a guy shooting bank shots and, and that was like his signature play. And that's, you know, no one had seen a bank shot since the 1950s. Um, and he managed to bring that back. But he impacted the game, firstly with his defense, because he was a great defender. He, you know, yep. he's not super, super athletic, but his defense was great. He was always in the right place. You know, his blocking was not just guys at the ring. His his block was in the post. He was out blocking perimeter players as well. Like he was everywhere. He, he was out there like Wemby, but way way before Wemby was. And he had thirty one blocks in that final series in six games, so averaging over five a game, which is crazy. Some people in like, yeah, there's a lot of people in like finals that won't get that many assists across the series. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? And he had, he had blocks. Yeah. yeah. And that's a super athletic next team as well. You know, if, I mean, um, Martin, he didn't have a great game. Um, Jefferson did, but those, those two, uh, com- you know, combined with Jason Kidd's like outstanding playmaking. Um, it, it's a shame that, you know, Kmart didn't bring it in that finals game. Definitely. Definitely something that they left on the table, um, and I think all those players on the nets, other than those right at the bottom of the of the um, the rotation, probably the best version of those players that you, you've ever seen. You know, Jason Kidd. That's where he really made his name was a, a playmaker, uh, like Kerry Kittles. Peak of his powers then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he was like a Mikel Bridges kind of guy. Yeah, or he would be in today's league. He he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he wasn't then, now. but he he would be he, now. Uh, yeah, he'd probably shoot seven threes a game now. And, and Jefferson is like very underrated, you know, especially later in his career when he turned himself into a bit more, you know, of, of a solid vet, a three and D guy, but like he was super athletic. Um, oh, young RJ used to posterize people, didn't he? Like, in fact, like you said, him and Kmart were just pure posters like that was people was getting assists just chucking it in the air at them as long as it was anywhere near the backboard it was like yep cool no worries literally i mean kmart was stupid athletic as well wasn't he and a real good defender but he, he didn't know what to do with td on that night no no it's it's one of those times where you know to tim duncan it's that player that whatever he does and he because he was so multifaceted he could do everything he could play d he could play make he could score when you needed to. Like when someone's got everything going like that all at once, they're near impossible to stop. Yeah, absolutely. And what I liked about, you mentioned all his blocks came from everywhere. His assisted as well. Like he was getting assists when he was chucking out to three. He was getting assists going post to post with David Robinson. He was doing handoffs. There was a little bit of everything um, in everything that he'd done that night. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I noticed with a lot of those assists. It was he'd be in the post any other player that had a little bit of an ego, like when you're in a finals, you're starting to get close to kind of 20 odd points. There was a couple of takes that he probably could have like muscled his way in and, and scored. And it probably, he could have rather than 20, 20 and 10, he probably could have had 30, 20 and five. But the fact that he recognized, Oh, well, Robinson's right there. I'll just quickly pass the ball off to him. And he's got a nice, easy dunk instead, or he, he's in a much better position. It was, just, it felt like such a, uh, a humble um, kind of game from Tim Duncan, which sounds absolutely silly when you're talking about someone that literally just won an NBA championship and a near quadruple double. Like it seems so bizarre. That's to who he was, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, just, that's just a just humble who quadruple double. Yeah, it, I, I, the the comparison between Tim Duncan and KG always comes up, and I really like it because I like KG as a player. But when you look at their actual accolades, like it, Tim Duncan is crazy. Five-time NBA champion, three-time Finals MVP, back-to-back regular season MVP, fifteen times All-Star, fifteen All-NBA, fifteen All-Defense. 
Like, Bad. you could easily make an argument for Tim Duncan, top five NBA player all time. Like, that's an easy argument. He's got the individual and the team accolades. Like, he's got the whole lot. He just didn't shout about it himself. Everyone and else is the big biggest thing, fan, aren't they? In the yeah. top five, top ten, but he's he's not at all. Yeah, and and the way you market yourself is massive in the NBA, isn't it? And I think especially now when people look back, because there's such a recency bias, isn't there? You know, in in everything that that you look at, Tim Duncan isn't that you don't see Tim Duncan highlights everywhere, and you don't see Tim Duncan everywhere talking about what he did, and he doesn't have a legacy, you know, particularly with anything he does in San Antonio, but. He doesn't have a, a shoe brand legacy or a clothing brand legacy or anything like that, you know, or all these posterizing dunks that people want to post. So people forget. But this guy really is an easy pick for best power forward of all time. And, you know, another easy pick, you know, for, for top five, I, I think anyway. Yeah. And honestly, couldn't agree more. He likes it. He doesn't have the signature shoes and all of the flashiness. It's a real thing with the NBA, isn't it? Where it can go like one way or the other. Like you need to call your shot enough to ruffle a few feathers but you also need to make sure that you've got the talent to back it up like the last thing you want is to be like uh, the i'm him claim and realistically you're a you're a sixth man do you know what i mean but at the same time there's a lot of people like that yeah there is a lot of people like <laughs> hey, that. jordan but... paul what's up <laughs> oh, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> but at the same time you also don't want to go the complete opposite like i feel like we're seeing this at the minute with Jokic. like right now i feel like obviously everyone recognizes that Jokic is the best player in the nba but it's going to be really really interesting to think in five to ten years time maybe more ten than it is five years time but if we're thinking what this is 2003 tim duncan okay maybe let's push it even more let's say in 2043 we're 20 years on from this game right like if we think in 20 years time i wonder how many people are going to be putting together Jokic highlight packages and things like this it's, it's going to be interesting and taking Jokic versus Tim Duncan like how good Jokic is he would struggle to have the career that Tim Duncan had you know even now like with all the all-star appearances and everything five rings as well yeah. he's going to struggle to do that um just really quickly the biggest surprise for me Tim Duncan almost had a quadruple double do you know how many triple doubles Tim Duncan had in his career well one that one <laughs> three <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely it's not wild, isn't it it's so wild <laughs> yeah so he almost had a quadruple double. and again how many nba players have had a triple double how many in total a quadruple, quadruple double a quadruple Ooh. double sorry uh i'm gonna I'm say gonna like say four three. no two oh. matt sibley on the money forever i think um yes <laughs> uh, david robinson is one isn't he david robinson hakeem hakeem Nate Thurmond and Alvin Robinson are the four players who've had a triple-double. Quadruple-double. 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 Not a triple-double. Quadruple-double. I'll get it right in the end. And and Tim Duncan had four in his career, I think, actually, but still. Well, I know the fifth person on that list is obviously going to be Bol Bol. So uh, just you wait, you wait and see. Let's go. Wardy, do we have a Bol Bol update this week? How's he getting on? Uh, no bowl bowl update. <laughs> he hasn't left the bench. <laughs> the bowl bowl update was a picture of him. That's that's what he. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's have a little look to see what games we're looking forward to this week. Maybe there's a bowl bowl game in there somewhere. Yeah, we need um, a regular check in with bowl bowl, please, Woody. Yeah. Uh, okay, I've got that. I'll, I'll put it on my ledger to do. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I haven't I haven't got any uh, bowl bowl game circled to be fair in my calendar for this week. Uh, the first game that I do have on the calendar is on the fifteenth slash sixteenth of November. I think it's like Wednesday Thursday game. Uh, Celtics versus the Sixers for all of the obvious reasons that we've spoken about in all of the other quarters. Mark has given us every plus minus of uh, every player in the league today and uh we obviously know how well the celtics are performing as individuals and talk about a team that has another star that it's actually working bringing in porzingis uh, and obviously bringing in drew um holiday they're just playing absolutely phenomenally um seven and two second in the east at the minute of day of recording it's going to be an absolute battle Zingus is in that top 10 uh, plus minus as well for the first time in his career. He's his averages this season are right on his career averages, but he's never been on winning teams before. So, oh, so now he's just... on winning teams. Yeah, he, everyone else is playing well around him, and yeah, he's uh, he's made that plus minus. That kind of actually, I was I was listening to um, of course uh, podcast P this week, and they were talking about um, or, or Paul George was talking about players that have impactful points 
versus players that just score. I think they were talking about Cam Thomas and the idea mm. that like right now he's just filling up the scoreboards, but realistically it's not actually meaning anything because currently the Brooklyn Nets are ninth. But then you've got someone like Shea who is filling up the scoreboards, but he's doing it in a timely fashion. And it's almost kind of like that's what Pazingas has been doing. His whole career, he's just been filling up the scoreboards, but it's not meant anything. The closest he's been is the Mavs. But then again, you've got Luca carrying you really. Like now, he's just contributing to a winning team. I think the Knicks was probably where he was best at before. And he was decent at the Wizards as well. But there's you're quite right. And there's so many players who you look at. D'Angelo Russell is the one I always think about. Like when he was at the Nets, everyone was like, oh, bro, he's a baller. He's cooking. He's cooking. Empty. You know, someone has to score on these yeah. teams. That's what why you know Kuzma puts up 25 points a game um at the Wizards but he doesn't do that when he's on a good team yeah <laughs> we, we, we've seen that already <laughs> so somebody has to put up points and like you say it's uh it's about how some of these figures are sometimes empty when people on, are on bad teams like D'Angelo Russell moving to the Warriors or, or the Lakers he's, he's not that guy he's not putting up 25 points a game like he was at the Nets I forget that he was with the Warriors he was he was like their main guy during the very injury. briefly yeah very briefly but it was also during that time that like Steph had broke his hand Clay was obviously out of his injury like they were kind of like oh we don't really have a star. Hang on a minute. We're probably going to trade this guy. Let's just keep him for a few games and uh, wait until Steph comes back. Yeah, I forgot that he was on the Warriors for a bit. Yeah, I don't think they they think about it too much either. No, 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 no. Uh, what have you guys got circled this week? Uh, I've got um, a repeat of uh, of the Sunday night game. So Knicks versus Hornets. Again, this time it's in Charlotte. Um, it's a slightly early one. It depends how late you like to stay up on a Saturday night. But for the UK listeners, it's at 11 p.m. Um, the game on, on Sunday night was fun, really fun. Lamelo was absolutely brilliant, but the Knicks again had three guys scoring over twenty points a game, and quickly was close. RJ Barrett is absolutely lighting it up from three. Um, he and Steph have got the uh, the highest shooting percentages for players over twenty two points a game from three. So again, l- like to see that. Um, and most importantly, though, Miles Bridges might be back. Yes, and we've yeah we've I, I saw on Instagram that supposedly he's going to have a very big role in the mm. Hornets. So, so people listening, if you're unaware already, Miles Bridges has been suspended um, due to some domestic violence issues that have kind of hampered him for about a season and a half now, right? Yeah, it's been ongoing, hasn't it, for a long time. Mm. He's kind of been in and out of the rotation because of, like I said, various uh, allegations and and whatnot. Mm. But yeah, coming back. Um, and like you say, they are expecting him to have quite a big role when he does get back. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about all of it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, when someone's having domestic violence uh, cases, I don't like the idea that social media is getting excited about someone coming back. But hey-ho, that's probably another story for another podcast. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Like, because you, if he's innocent, that's, you know, that's great. Like, if he's innocent, then get him back in and he should be able to play again. But if he's not, then... Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, I think you've got to let him just turn up and play, and not make a fan- fanfare about it. And you let his play do the talking, because then it's not the talking point of he's coming back. Where was he? Oh, he's had this DV case. Where if he just turns up and he starts playing well, or even if he just starts playing again and getting his getting some reps in, and then people start talking about him, they're going to be talking about his play on the court. And that kind of negates that because it is always hard with these things, isn't it? You, you know, and everyone's got their. We opinions. don't really know, do we? No, exactly. Everyone's got your opinions, and you always, when you hear those words, you're always going to feel the worst, and mm. you know, you vilify him absolutely. But you, you know, you've also got he's still got a job. You know, like most people, you know, unfortunately, he's his is under a microscope. So, um, I think putting it out there is a, a bit too much, but. You know, they're a business at the end of the day and money's the bottom line, unfortunately. I like how I said that's a story for another podcast and Wardy's just given a really, really insightful view. And uh, I'm very happy that it is this podcast that we've gone into that. Of course, uh, Mark, I know you were circling there, Knicks versus Hornets. Surely the bigger one to circle in the calendar is uh, Knicks versus Hawks. Yeah, 
I mean, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, we've beaten him once this year. I don't it's, mind. It's really. not a rivalry anymore, is it? It doesn't feel like it so much. No. Although the Hawks are actually playing all right. I was going to say, if we're looking day day of recording, you guys are even Stevens, five <laughs> wins, really nice. four losses. And uh, currently you guys are seventh and they are fifth. So could be very, very close by mm. the time we get there. But again, we're, we're 10 games in maybe 12 by the time we get there. So, of course, this is the most important time of the season. That's it. Um, another fun one, um, though, Saturday night, uh, Mavericks versus Bucks. Yes. Definitely a fun one. Bucks haven't quite clicked yet, have they? No. Uh, I think, uh, I don't understand. I'm not knowledgeable enough of basketball to really, really understand what's going wrong with their... podcasts about it. <laughs> hey, I'm just here to give my opinion and you guys, to, I'm I'm here to learn. You've just got, you guys have dragged me along for the, uh, for, for the ride here. I'm just here to learn. I'm here to sit under your wisdom trees or whatever the, the branches of wisdom or whatever the saying is. That is worrying. Yeah. yeah. And also you're the only one who can edit and put a podcast online. So... <laughs> Woody, I was trying to make it. I was trying to make it seem as if uh, I was here for any sort of philosophical reason, and you've just gone straight into the jugular. Look, we can't edit a podcast about you, so mate, you're here because you're a Clippers fan, and we need something to laugh at every week. I don't, know which one's worse. I don't know which one's worse. The ed- I don't know the editing comments or the Clippers comments, but I'll take both because they're both true. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> I don't even have the point. I the bu- yeah, the books haven't quite clicked yet. Be like yes, us. defensively. I don't. I like for me. I don't know enough as to why it's not clicking uh someone like Giannis it was almost every single year that if in doubt if you're struggling as who's going to be the defensive player of the year you throw Giannis into it but they have gone from a team that if we look at their kind of advanced stats in 2022 slash 23 um they had an overall defensive rating of what they were fourth in the league right? Just behind Grizz, Celtics and the Cavs. Uh, If we now change that to this year, their defensive rating, they are currently 25th. 25th. Yes. So I know they were very, very low originally and it's kind of gone up in the last game or two, but they're currently, yeah, 25th in defensive rating. Now, offensively, they're 11. So they're not light in the world kind of on fire, but they're, they're also not scrubs offensively. But then again, you're talking about Damon and, and Giannis and obviously he had a fantastic game the other day. So it's just it's just weird, isn't it? Uh, it's just a weird... Where you've got the likes of Philly and Boston running away with it, we kind of expected the Bucks to be up there too. And like you say, Boston, they're, they're killing it on both offensively yep. and defensively. And I guess you see the Drew Holiday um, effect there on the Bucks. But I think it's more than that. It's not just a Dame versus Drew Holiday thing, you know, Okay, Dame's a better offensive player. Drew's a better defensive player, but they, the Bucks, need to just build some more chemistry and just get it together a little bit. They will, they will become better than eleventh offensively, I think, and they'll become way better than twenty fifth defensively, I think. That team is stacked with good yep. individual defenders, Giannis, Portis, Lopez, etc. They're, they're going to be a good defensive team. They just need to to get it together, and they haven't played that many games together. Yanis has missed a couple of games. Dame has missed a couple of games. So there's there's a lot of uh, areas to improve and talent is certainly there. Yeah, 100%. Um, oh, we always look with this segment at the kind of games that we can watch um, kind of during the weekends because obviously it's not all that often that we get to watch live games. Uh, the one I know you said, Mark, uh, depending on what time you want to stay up on a Saturday night. I know you mentioned obviously 11 o'clock Knicks versus Hornets. The one that is probably a more reasonable time for uh, people to go to bed uh, before midnight, uh, especially on a Sunday, is the Sixers versus the Nets. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is one of those where two rivals going head to head. This is going to be amazing back and forth. No, not now. But uh, again, we've got an opportunity to see someone like Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid play in real time rather than just watching 10 minute highlights and things like this, already knowing what the score is. Um, as soon as you open up the NBA app, you see Torres Maxi drops 50. You know what you're about to watch, right? Like This is an opportunity to watch a, a rising young star in real time. So that's just going to be an exciting one just because you've got some stars uh, that are hopefully going to fill up the scoreboard. And again, Cam Thomas that I mentioned recently, he I don't know why he's not more of a, a kind of force within the Nets lineup because any night he can give you 30 or 40 points. And it's another Ben Simmons game as well. His comeback season's going well so far. 10 rebounds a game. Okay. 
That's good. Six and a half points. We kind of expected that. Six and a half assists. I feel like that's just what we kind of expected from Ben Simmons, right? Like I'm pretty sure you said eight, ten and something or other. Yeah, I mean, three years ago, we thought Ben Simmons was going to come back and be that guy who was going to average 2020 and 10, 2010 and 10, 2020 and 10, 2020 and 10, who's going to average 2010 and 10. But he is the guy who averages six, 10 and six. Is this the dagger? <laughs> Well, another week of NBA in the books, lads. Um, it's been a, it's been a big week. It's been a big week, and uh, I'm excited to see what is going to become uh, kind of the following week. I know we've just said there, there's not some, there's not huge games this week, but I feel like sometimes they're the weeks that are going to throw you off, and all of a sudden, as I said, you're going to see a 60 game from some random player on some random night or something like that. Lakers versus Rockets again on Sunday as well. So we just wanted to throw that one in there. That's a little. <laughs> Uh, it's turning into like one. a rivalry game because of Brooks and LeBron, right? Ah, oh, and he honestly, the, the, I know that we're supposed to be closing up the podcast, but the game they had the other day, where <laughs> everyone else, was, everyone else was warming up or whatever on the timeout moment, and he just stood there and stared at LeBron. It's like such a Dylan Brooks moment, honestly. Yeah, with his tiny little shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way he stares as well he has like these hunched yeah. over shoulders and he just kind of like <laughs> tiny short shorts hunched shoulders he loves being a villain but he's playing well at the moment so. exactly hey he's, he's this is in like the avengers where but this is the the scene in the film where the bad guy gets a little bit of momentum behind him you think the heroes are all defeated and then LeBron will hit him with 40 points in the next game. I guess the last thing to mention is that we might have something quite exciting coming up um, for our listeners in the UK on the 24th of yes. November. So we can't announce it yet, but keep your evening free on Friday the 24th of November and we will reveal as soon as we can. Exactly. Suspense. Just dropping little, <laughs> little nuggets for you guys to hold on to. Uh, with that, Probably a good opportunity for us to say thank you for listening to the Hoops and Recreation podcast. Remember, if you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Make sure you follow at Sneakers and Recreation on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Hoops and Recreation. Until next time, goodbye.